Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch Chop Retrofit. Every time is later. As soon as you can say the word later, it's already later. But this is not a blow your mind podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Season 8, Episode 15 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Grilled Treviso, a.k.a. Traville Parmesan, a.k.a. Champagne Wishes and Traviar Dreams. Yes! <laughs> I'm fancy. And I'm joined here in the kitchen by my co-host and co-producer, Chef Sean, a.k.a. Fast Food Nation, a.k.a. Eat, Drink, Sean Woman. In our third seat, Chop Shop Regulator, Chelly and Chelia, <laughs> a.k.a. Like Water for Chelcolit, a.k.a. Chelsea with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> and it is our extreme pleasure to welcome back to our restaurant uh, a guest that needs no introduction, but we will anyway. It's Knowles's Heavenly Delights, aka Noshing Knowles, aka Knoll Reservations. Sweet. Welcome back, sir. It's nice to be here. Uh, further description of the show the tagline says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel, dependent cinematic culture. 86. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right, that's going to bring us to movie news. And like most weeks, we are going to start it off with an RIP. Um, it's never fortunate to have an RIP, but it is fortunate that this week we only have one. So rest in peace and rest in power to Lucia Gutierrez Puerta, uh, known by her stage name Lucia Gulmain, Gulmain, who was born in 1942 and lived until uh, the 15th of February, just this past week. She was a Me Mexican actress. Her career was between 1965 and 2016, and she was known for roles in movies and television in productions such as Length of War in 1976 and Darker Than Night in 2014. So a long career. Once again, rest in peace and rest in power to her. Uh, in other news, Bridgerton star Roger Jean Page, but he's joining the cast of Dungeons and Dragons, the movie adaptation. Okay, next, Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya to star in Jordan Peele's new movie, as yet undisclosed what that movie's gonna be. Um, but that's awesome to get them involved. Uh, speaking of joining productions, Lenny Kravitz is joining Jennifer Lopez and Josh Dumel in Lion Gate's Shotgun Wedding. Now, this is the picture where Army Hammer was let go and Josh Dumel replaced him. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, John Carpenter says a streaming premiere for Halloween Kills is possible. The reviews are in, and this is one you sent to me, Sean. Critics would rather watch Cats instead of Sia's ableist film music that everyone tried to warn her about. 
I haven't seen it. I've only seen the headlines like this. And this is from Rotten Tomatoes, the, the Rotten Tomato reviews. Um, but tell me what, what's going on with this music. I know it has something to do with autism. I'll let Chelsea take this Please. one. Okay, I won't watch this movie, right. but I have seen um, people on the spectrum showing clips on TikTok going, this is so degrading and it's so terrible because not everybody with autism acts the same way. Right. And they certainly do not act the way that Maddie Ziegler is acting in that film. And okay. it's it, it's sickening. Okay. It's disgusting. Gotcha. Enough said. Next, searching for Shelley Duvall, the reclusive icon on Fleeing Hollywood and the Scars of Making the Shining. Uh, this is one of her first interviews in quite some time. Next, Olivia Wilde praises Harry Styles for allowing for Florence Pugh to hold center, center stage. I, I think she's kind of just, you know, polishing his doorknob because she's an actual actress and he's a singer who she's shacking up with. Uh, and I think that's, oh, we got one more. What is it, Sean? A24? Oh, yeah. A24 has announced that they are carrying uh, Ari Aster's next film. They're funding it. And it's going to star Joaquin Phoenix. Very cool. All right, that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Do you guys hear a telephone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. What's shaking, Bacon? I confess, I still have not seen Footloose. Either one. Michael Fishman was DJ Connor on Roseanne and the Connors. DJ Tanner was Candace Cameron Bure's character on Full House and Fuller House. Stir of Echoes was based on the novel of the same name. Woo-ha! Got you all in check is a Buster Rhymes track. And it's in Eighth Wonder by Sugar Hill Gang. The Leave Britney Alone guy is Chris Crocker. Jeff Bridges was in R.I.P.D. Merrill's and Kevin's co-star in The River Wild pronounces his name David Strathairn. We've reached the end of the line for this week. Don't let me catch any of you digging to China, or you're going to be facing another round of criminal law. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. And you sure put the sizzle in the steak. That's going to close the doors on the Department of Corrections for this week, bringing us to... The theme of the episode, because everybody eats, we're going to be talking about food movies. I, for one, love to eat. I'm a big fan of food. You might even go so far as to say that if I didn't eat, I would die. You could say that. Knowles, you're a scientist. <laughs> food is pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, you, you have to be, uh, you don't want to like analyze food as a scientist. You just want to take in the whole, the whole nature of food. So. Mm -hmm. It's kind a of holistic experience. Exactly the experience and, and what it what it shows you about culture and family, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. Or at least I am. Okay. And Chelsea, what's your favorite food? Bacon? <laughs> Tell me, please. I really want to know. No, you don't. <laughs> it's crow. Next up, we've got the Midnight Double feature, and this is where we go around the panel, and we each talk about two movies that are within the context of our episode for this week. And, Knowles, as our guest, would you like to go first with your double? Sure, yes, I'd be glad to. Uh, 
I have two movies, and uh, you know the theme that I I want to like make for both movies that relates to the other two that I'm thinking about is again the the relationship of food to culture and mm-hmm. how people live, and it's pretty striking to me that in the United States and America we have such a like you know divorced attitude about food. It's commodified. It's supposed to be convenient. It's quick. But in the rest of the world, um, food really is, you know, part of family gatherings, is part of the culture, Mm -hmm. and something that people really enjoy. The journey is just as important as the destination. Yes, absolutely. It's a a binding force that brings people together in a way that food doesn't for a lot of us. So my first movie is is called The Secret of the Grain. Uh, It's a 2007 film, a French-Tunisian film uh, starring uh, no one you've ever heard of. Okay. But it's about a, uh, a Tunisian, a North African immigrant who works in the shipyard. He's a bit older uh, in the south of France. He loses his job, and he tries to reinvent himself by opening a restaurant with the help of his daughter. Okay. And it's going to be a couscous restaurant, and the, mm. the couscous, the best couscous is made by his ex-wife. Uh-oh. So she is going to be the one who makes the couscous, couscous for the restaurant. And the movie is about a lot of social prejudices and hardships and a lot of family drama. But there's just one scene where the whole family comes together in his ex-wife's apartment over a meal. Uh-huh. The couscous and all the accompaniments that she makes. And it's just phenomenal. Uh, you know, you've never wanted a plate of couscous as badly right. in your life as at the end of that, of that dinner scene. So it's a really a cool movie. And my, then my second film is actually a documentary by my favorite documentary filmmaker of all time, a guy named Les Blank. Uh, you guys remember Sarah Palin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she always used to talk about real America. I watched her movie at my bachelor party. <laughs> remember Real America? She was always going on about yeah. Real America. Yeah. Well, if you want to see Real America, spend some time with Les Blank documentaries. You will see this cast of characters, these weird people from all across the country, and the one film of his that I that I picked is called Garlic is as Good as Ten Mothers. It's on Criterion. It's only fifty minutes long. Okay, you got to see this, and it's all about. Uh, it's in the like seventies. It was set in Berkeley and Northern California, but restaurants and homes in these ethnic neighborhoods, and it's all the story of garlic, how it's been used throughout history in Spain and Italy, uh, you know, um, Louisiana Cajuns. Just a really fun, remarkable film. So that's my, my second double feature. I love garlic. I can't get enough of it. Oh, by the way, just a little bit of trivia about that mm-hmm. film. I read on IMDb that Blank's idea was when this was shown in a theater, they should start baking a bunch of garlic cloves in a toaster oven in the back of the uh, of the theater <laughs> so that halfway through, the entire theater would be filled with the smell of garlic. Absolutely. I've been doing the, the exact same thing Uh but I've been taking those roasted cloves of garlic oil and put a garlic and putting them down in my olive oil. Oh, to wow. Use yes. the olive oil with Excellent. more garlic flavor. Really good. Hmm. All right, Chelsea, over to you. What have you got for us for a double feature? Um, I went the opposite direction with my double feature. Okay. I guess I was inspired by Soylent Green. I guess I was inspired by the lengths that people will go to get food. Right. So I am choosing 2019's The Platform. Oh, man, that was brutal. Yeah. Well, we talked about it on here. We did, yeah. Um, a dystopian it, future where prison uh, consists of a multi-tiered facility and a platform of food goes from the top of the facility to, to the, the bottom. bottom. The wealthiest 
or the the people at the top eat well the people at the bottom get the scraps yeah and it shows the greed of people they right. know this is happening and it's just it's kind of a visceral experience too when you're watching them just like grab at this food because the mm -hmm. platform is constantly moving it stops for a brief moment in time so it's get what you can while you can and it's just disgusting right i'm pairing that with 2016's raw okay i've seen this as well french film she's a veterinarian student who's a vegetarian and during like a hazing process yes they needed her to eat a rabbit kidney yeah and sounds about right so she eats this rabbit kidney and all of a sudden she she gets wants, the bloodlust she does and she wants meat but she, it drives her to want raw meat yes to the yeah to the yeah. point where she's like biting people and uh -huh. like taking chunks out of their skin and her sister is also at the school and we find out that her sister has the same problem ah yeah so this is uh that's a, a pretty dark double feature i like the the kind of dystopian vibe on one and then the the low-key horror of raw because it's scary but it's not overtly scary. No. There's some subtlety to it. Absolutely. Uh, which I think is lost in too many horror films these days. All right. Very good. Over to you, Sean. Okay. I'm going to take on uh, high art and low art. Okay. With food as the centerpiece. Um, starting out with 1981's My Dinner with Andre. This is a movie I've never watched before because I was always told it's so boring. It's just two guys talking for two hours. I liked it. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the dialogue was fantastic. The dialogue was inconceivable. True, true. It stars <laughs> it stars Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn in the two primary roles, written by both actors as well. And Louis Ma is the director. Okay. And Yo-Yo Ma's dad. Yeah, exactly. So my big takeaway from it was I know someone exactly like Andre Gregory's character mm -hmm. who's always trying to dissect life and look at it in, from different angles and make more of it than it actually is. And it's fucking exhausting. And Wallace Shawn kind of takes that stand towards the end of the film where he's like, you know, I just like going home to my wife and mm -hmm. I like to watch some TV and I like to read a book. <laughs> That's not so bad. And that's the film. But the cool part about the movie to me was that, you know, this had to have been shot in multiple takes. However, it's pieced together so well that it does feel like a two hour sit down dinner. And it has that natural pace of being in a restaurant. And I thought that was very masterfully done. Now, let me ask you, is it true that Andre the Giant was named after this movie? And that's why he was cast alongside Wallace Shawn in The Princess Bride? No, totally false. And that's a great segue into uh, the low art side of my film, <laughs> uh, Dinner for Schmucks, 2010. Oh boy. Uh, this is a silly film directed by Jay Roach, mm -hmm. uh, the director of Austin Powers, <laughs> and it stars a huge cast of comedic characters, uh, actors that is uh, Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, Zach Galifianakis, Jermaine Clement, Bruce Greenwood, Ron Livingston, Larry Wilmore, Kristen Schaal, Nick Kroll, to name just a yeah. few. And the premise is, of course, these guys have dinner together, and the objective is to bring the biggest rube to dinner that you can. Mm -hmm. And each of the rubes have no clue what's going on. And uh, 
it's a dumb movie. Right. I, I don't, I did not enjoy the film. But, Even the uh, part that's supposed to be redemptive isn't really. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't like it. And, uh, but it is a neat, neat contrast with dinner as the centerpiece oh, yeah. of uh, how you can take a very high art approach and a very lowbrow kind of approach to Andre. The giant could eat a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for shedding light on that mystery. Uh, my double feature is going to be two documentaries. And I was kind of inspired by one of the movies that we're going to be talking about here shortly. So it's two documentaries about Japanese cuisine. Uh, the first one is like the definitive sushi documentary, Jiro Dreams of Sushi from 2011. I believe it won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Feature. Um, it was directed by David Gelb, who also amazingly directed the Lazarus effect oh. with Olivia Wilde and also an upcoming documentary called Wolfgang about Mozart. No, it's about Wolfgang Puck, the chef. Um, so Jiro dreams of sushi has a 99% on rotten tomatoes revered sushi chef. Jiro Ono strives for perfection in his work while his eldest son, Yoshikazu has trouble living up to his father's legacy. Just some of the most beautiful pictures of sushi that you could imagine and it's this little tiny shop in uh, i believe in tokyo um but it's super expensive if you can even get a reservation it's omakase which means uh chef's choice so you don't order he gives you courses all right and so I love that movie. And then I'm going to pair this with another movie about Japanese food that I just got around to watching, uh, even though it's from, I believe, 2013. It's called Ramen Heads, and it's directed by uh, Koki Shigeno, who uh, is also, uh, oh, no, never mind. Uh, Koki Shigeno, and it's got a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Chef Osamu Tomita takes cameras into his kitchen where he shares recipes, trade secrets, and his thoughts on flavors. And I, I really like how this sheds a light on real ramen um, because so many Westerners or Americans think of ramen as cheap college snack food, but it can be so much more. Uh, so that's gonna be my double feature. All right, and that's going to wrap us up on the Midnight Double feature for this week. And before we get into the feature segment, we want to do a beer check-in. We've got a few to check in tonight, so we're going to go ahead and get started with that. Knowles, what is this uh, the beer that you have cracked open for us? Uh, this beer is uh, by, uh, you know, a classic brewery, Bells, which, by the mm -hmm. way, they're fresh two-hearted ales, one of my favorite beers of all time. But this is uh, 30th Anniversary Reserve Cherry Stout. Uh, kind of in line, I guess, with the uh, food theme. It's got cherries yeah. in it. And uh, it's, uh, I didn't know what kind of shape this bottle was going to be in. I've had it for a while, but I think it's quite nice. I was going to ask, how old is the bottle? I don't exactly know. Okay. I don't think there's a date on it, but okay. I've had it for a while. It's, got some, it's, age, it's got some age on it, but it has yeah. a beautiful like cherry like oh, yeah. aftertaste. It mm -hmm. still yeah. has that. Yeah. I, was, I, I wondered the, if that would be there. The Sella uh, chocolate-covered cherries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like this a lot. Uh, okay, so with that, we're going into our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a pre-selected film that we have all had the pleasure of seeing, and we talk about it a little bit, and we hypothetically recast a few of the lead actors with contemporary actors. And the first item on the menu is going to be Tom Popo from 1985. And I actually was introduced to this movie by you, Knowles. And Same. 
<laughs> Same for Sean. Uh, it's a Japanese comedy slash ramen western directed by Juzo Itami, who also did a movie called Minobo, A Taxing Woman, and A Taxing Woman Returns. <laughs> this movie has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Two Japanese milk truck drivers... Sotumo Yamazaki and Ken Watanabe are the actors who play them. Help a restaurant owner, uh, played by Nobuko Miyamoto, learn how to cook great noodles. But it's so much more than that. Uh, Knowles, can you give us a little bit more of a idea what this movie is? Well, it's uh, I've always described it, and I read someone else describe it this way, as a movie about food and sex, you know, like two classic themes. Um, it's a it's a comedy. It makes uh, allusions to American, you know, westerns. It's a spaghetti western, and it's really put together as a series of vignettes. You know, that yeah. are these individual little stories that sometimes are connected, <clears throat> often not. Um, it's just one of my favorite films of all time. You know, I've always said this: if you put a gun to my head, what are your top five films? This would be in there, uh, probably number two. Uh, it's wow. just, I just love this film. I've seen it probably about eight times. Chelsea, you saw this for the first time recently, I did. Right? And what were your thoughts? I had to take a couple of breaks through it. I loved it. To go it. eat. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, we're going to Miami right, right now. <laughs> um, I had to take a couple of breaks just to sort of follow all of the vignettes. But right. at, the, at the end of it, I was like, whoa, okay. And I'm still kind of thinking about it. And I have never wanted to eat a raw egg more nice. in my entire life. <laughs> so speak- One of many classic scenes. Yeah. <laughs> that and the live shrimp. The I shrimp, think. yes. Uh, a lot of food prawn. porn. Yes. So I would, say, I would say that it's good that you mentioned the vignettes because there are some other side stories going on. You've got the man in the white suit who is... Uh, he's a gangster. He's a gangster. He's seen... My boyfriend. ...in very, se- very many <laughs> scenes with his lover, and they are using food in their romantic endeavors. You also have a lowly worker who shows up his uh, his peers by ordering in a very... Um, oh, yeah. A French restaurant. A very refined way at with a French red, restaurant. the red faces. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's... There's at least one more. Oh, my favorite is the woman in the grocery store that has to touch yes, everything. Yes, yes. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes is the scene where the one of the vagabonds makes an illicit omelet for uh, Tampopo's son yes. by breaking into a kitchen at night. Yes. It's and the it's, most, most beautiful filmed omelet-making scene you've ever seen in your life, I and you can that smell that, it by the end. I think that that scene was inspired by Fellini. Yes, probably I think was. that I think that's safe to say. All right, well, let's get into the roles that we're recasting. Uh, first, we've got Goro, the older of the tr- of the two milk truck drivers. He was played by Sutomo Yamazaki, and he was 49 at the time. Then we've got uh, Tampopo, who's the owner of the noodle shop and the, um, the mother, a single mother. Mm-hmm. And she was played by Nobuku Miyamoto. She was 40 at the time. We've got the man in the white suit, played by Koji Yashuko, who was 29. And we've got Gun, the younger of the two milk truck drivers, played by Ken Watanabe. And American audiences would recognize him from a lot of things. Uh, The one that comes to mind for me is Inception. Inception, uh, Batman Begins, he was uh, uh, Ra's al Ghul. So uh, he has um, some Nolan connections there. Yes. All right. And then finally, the role of 
Pisukin, or sometimes referred to as Piskin, depending on where you're looking. Uh, he was 38 at the time. He's played by Rikaya Yasuoka. All right, so first up, we've got Goro, and Knowles, you're first. Oh, well, you guys may, I uh, hope you're proud of me because I tried to, you know, dig a little deeper this time and find contemporary actors. And I usually, I rely on my magic, you know, card to like, you know, imagine, <laughs> cont- you know, old actors uh, of the a- appropriate age. So uh, also, I I thought about the recasting this movie and I thought, um, you know, you know, do I recast it with American actors? And I thought... Well, this is such a cultural movie. It's about mm-hmm. ramen. It's a Japanese film. So I took the uh, you know the cheap way out, and I went with all Asian or Asian American actors for my recasting. I just couldn't think of any other way to do it. So anyway, um, the actor that I've chosen to recast as Goro uh, is actually uh, uh, someone that I've seen in a movie. I saw this movie recently on Netflix. It's a superhero film called Project Power. Any of you guys see that film? I've heard of it. It's got Jamie Foxx and Jordan, George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and some other yes. well-known people in it. But anyway, uh, the actor plays this, uh, you know, character, this superhero character called Knife Bones, who can turn his bones into knives. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but the cool thing about it is uh, he's 31 years old. And after some research, I found out that he also starred in an Indonesian spaghetti western called Buffalo Boys. Okay. So uh, this is kind of a perfect recast. His name is Yoshi Sudarso, and you can see why I think ah, he okay. would be the perfect yeah. Goro. Like Very it. nice. Good job. Okay, over to you, Chelsea. So I struggled with the same thing. I was like, do I recast American? What do, what do I do here? Yep. I thought I took the cheap way out and I went American only because I did not want to be offensive and tried well, to pronounce some of these names. Uh, <laughs> why are you looking at me? Um, so there are a few ways to approach this. Uh, you can go the way that you went with a traditionally Asian cast. You can whitewash it or you could uh, gender flip it or you could ethnically flip it. There's lots of ways to go. I think they're all on the table. Right. So one of the things that stood out for me was the entire time I was watching this movie, Goro's character, I kept saying, I'm like, he is the Japanese Burt Reynolds. Like 100%. <laughs> we can't recast him. No. So I kind of went with the the what the characters meant to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So I picked somebody almost as cool as Burt Reynolds, um, mostly known from TV. You'd know him from Parks and Rec and the founder, Fargo. I went with Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman's great. Because he is so cool. I was really hoping for a second you were going to say Norm MacDonald. Because oh, you know he did. I know. Great. I couldn't do it. Burt I was Reynolds like, oh. Celebrity but Norm Macdonald's kind of mean. Yeah, he is. And he is Goro like skirts that line. Mm-hmm. He wants to be, but right. he's not. All right, over to you, Sean. Who is your Grogu? All right, so I'm going to do the Joey Pool, and and like you're talking about, you know, everything's on the table. One thing in the film that caught my attention was that they said that typically women are not the chefs in ramen restaurants. Oh, okay. And that got me thinking about other restaurant industries where women are typically not at the figurehead. And one of those in particular is the role of pit master. Barbecuing, barbecue, smokehousing. So I decided to set mine in Memphis, Tennessee. Gotcha. Of an aspiring young woman who's trying to take over her deceased husband's barbecue restaurant, and the name of the restaurant is Dandelion. 
which, which is, is what, what Tom, Tom Popo, Popo means translates to. So that is the premise. Cool. So I went with an actor who is 49 years old, and he is known for his roles in John Wick, Selma, Suicide Squad, and Wanted. I went with rapper-turned-actor, Common. Oh, Common's oh, great, nice. dude. I like that. All right, so my pick is 43 now. I went, um, I kind of skirted the line a little bit. I went with uh, Japanese-American actors or actors of Japanese descent. Uh, so my Goro is 43 now. He's a Japanese-American actor. He was in oh, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. He's in The Wolverine. He's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. His name is Brian T. Brian, Brian T. <laughs> Very good. Next up, we've got uh, the leading lady, Tampopo, played by Nobuko Miyamoto, and she was 40 at the time. Go ahead, Knowles. Uh, quick t- trivia note about, mm-hmm. I, I learned this uh, by watching this film on Criterion, is uh, Miyamoto was the real-life wife of director Juzo Itami. I did not know that. And, and she was uh, in a lot of his films. Yeah, and another neat thing about this is, you know, uh, one of the things that this movie shows is that, uh, you know, the position of women is not very high. You know, like most cultures where you have male-dominated cultures, you remember the old master goes, Oh, you know, I'm shocked. I never thought a woman could ever make a great ramen chef. But at the end, it's a really triumphant scene where she's talking, she's thanking Goro and sending him off, and she says to him, I want to thank you. All I needed was a ladder, and you provided the ladder, which was exposure and education. The skill was all hers, and she triumphed in the end. So anyway, uh, it's kind of a little cool story it about uh, this actress. So, side, side note, every time you say trivia, I think I have to guess something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, guess away. Uh, so my recast uh, starred in the movie Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've probably seen all of the, the Avengers movies, uh, among other film credits. She also happens to be, uh, I had Miyamoto as 36 years old at the time of this film. Oh, I could than definitely 40. be wrong. But uh, my, this actress that I've recast also happens to be exactly 36 years old. Uh, she is the South Korean actress, Claudia Kim. Okay. Cool. I like it. She kind of has some face value to her. Yeah, I agree. Um, Chelsea, who's your pick? So Tom Popo is just a delightful ray of sunshine. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love her. And her smile... It's contagious, yes. even through a television screen. And so my my actress sort of conveys the same. Well, I think so anyways. Um, she was in Bridesmaids, 21 Jump Street. Um, most people know her from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I went with Ellie Kemper. And she's great. Yeah, That's good. cute. Yeah. The, her like smile that. is oh, just yeah. on par with her. That's good. Yeah. All right, Sean, your pick. Uh, my actress is 41 years old, and she is known for her roles in Girls Trip, like a boss, Keanu and Night School. I went with Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, she's my dandelion. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And she's gonna talk shit too. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Tampopo is 29 now. She's an American actress of Japanese descent. Uh, she's in Suicide Squad. She's in the upcoming The Suicide Squad. She's in the TV show The Boys. Her name is. Karen Fukuhara. Karen nice. Fukuhara is my Tampopo. And 
Next, we've got the man in the white suit, the gangster. And he was played by Koji Yakusho, who was 29 at the time. Knowles, who did you pick for this? Well, uh, you know, uh, you know, considering my, you know, uh, constraint here of having to cast Asian or Asian American actors, thank goodness for the movie Crazy Rich Asians, yes. which you probably saw in 2018. <laughs> so, um, you know, I said, well, I just got to find somebody that would, you know, look good in a white suit throughout the whole movie and carry that role, you know, perfectly unrumpled, look good to the end. So Aquafina. Uh, <laughs> uh, my recast is Henry Golding. All right. Nice. Probably would look pretty good in that yeah, white yeah. suit. Yeah, yeah. I can crazy see it for rich sure. Agents. Chelsea, who's your boyfriend? Um, So I just thought about somebody that I wanted to go hunt wild boar with and mm -hmm. like, you know, use egg yolk to make out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't think of anybody else other than Zac Efron. <laughs> Zac Efron. Uh, okay. You, you, you want to swap yolks with Zac Efron? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Over to you, Sean. Wow. Um, all right, so for my gangsta, I went with a 30-year-old actor who was known for Ingrid Goes West. Oh, yeah. Den of Thieves, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, as well as Straight Outta Compton. Yes. He's the son of a gangsta. Yes. I went with O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yes, the son of and young doppelganger of Ice T. No, Cube. Ice Cube. So my pick for the man in the white suit is 30 now. He was born in Hilo, Hawaii of Okinawan descent. He's a YouTuber and actor. He's in a recent movie that I just saw, I'll mention it later, called Finding Ohana, Tell Me How I Die, and Flight 7500. His name is Ryan Higa. I know there's a big shadow on his face in the picture, so it's yeah. kind of <laughs> hard to tell, but he's a spitting image. <laughs> All right, we've got Gunn, the young... Uh, the younger milk truck driver who's um, got a lot to learn. Ken Watanabe was the actor, and he was only 26 at the time. And over to you, Knowles. So my recast for this uh, Pete, this role uh, starred in some several TV series, including Glee and Shadowhunters. Uh, also was in the movie Crazy Rich Asians. He's now 38 years old, so he's a little bit uh, young, uh, old perhaps for that. Uh, but it's Harry Shum Jr. Okay. Chelsea Looks called like it. I, yep, I knew. I'm not going to lie to you. This role was a little forgettable for me. Okay. I had to ask Sean. I was like, wait, is it this guy or is it this guy? Just a little unassuming. Not that it wasn't bad. Just right. not something that stood out. Much like I feel this happens with this actor quite a bit for me. I went with Jack Quaid. Ah. Oh. I forget him. Like, he's yeah. great, but I forget him. All right, over to you, Sean. Uh, all right, I went with a 25-year-old actor. Uh, he was in uh, Paper Towns, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Every Day. But you might know him as Books in the short-lived TV series The Get Down. His name is Justice Smith. Oh, yeah. I liked The Get Down. I love The Get Down. I like The Get Down. My, uh, my pick for gun is 25 now. He's an American actor born in Portland, Oregon to a Japanese father and Jewish mother. He was Hero in Big Hero 6. He's on a TV show called Super Ninjas, and he's also Beast Boy on Titans. His name's Ryan Potter. And I'm just now realizing that I have 
two Ryans, a Brian, and a Karen in this recast. <laughs> <laughs> a Japanese film. I'll, I'll remedy that shortly. <laughs> uh, with the next role, it's going to be uh, Pisukin or Piskin, played by Rikaya Yasuoka. And he was 38. I have 38. I have 38 as well. All right. And Knowles, who's your pick for this? Well, uh, you know, it's kind of ridiculous for me to say that I wanted to pick Asian American actors uh, for this, this recasting this movie because, you know, n- none of my Asian American actors are actually Japanese. It's like the most Caucasian American thing you could do. It's like, oh, you know, everybody in that ethnic group, they all look alike, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, but anyway, this one really stumped me. I couldn't come up with any Asian American actor that I thought would fill this. So I went with a total unknown, someone you will never expect. Um, and probably don't even know who it is. Now this is a neighborhood tough guy. He's a brawler. Also happens to be a contractor, by the way, uh, very handily. So, uh, I went with, uh, an Australian actor and martial artist and who's done a lot of, uh, choreographing fight scenes and stunts in movies. Uh, movies like A Nightmare on Elm Street and Rush Hour 3. He's 48 years old, and he his name is Brad Allen. So at least he would get the fight scenes right with Piskin. Cool. Oh, my cousin Brad. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Over to you, Chelsea. So, yeah, he sort of starts out that way, but I think he is the nicest at the end of it. And his... He, again, he also has the best smile. And the best smile. recipe for ramen. I love his smile. The best so, ladder. <laughs> I picked someone who could kind of like be tough, but really has a heart of gold. My actor was in the movie Wonder and Ferdinand mm-hmm. and Hamilton. I went with Davi Diggs. Davi Diggs is great. Yeah. All right. My actor's 37 years old. You'll know him. Well, from such roles as The Martian, Solo, Atlanta, and Community. I went with... Uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. Nice. All right. That's pretty good, man. My actor is actually Japanese, just straight up Japanese. Uh, he's an actor and a voice actor. He's 38 now. He was in For You in Full Blossom, which sounds very erotic. Crows Zero, not so much. And No Longer Human. His name is Shun Oguri. Shun Oguri is going to be my Pesukin. All right. So I got to say recommend. This oh. is a, oh, a yeah. strong recommend. recommend. The, the Rotten Must Tomatoes watch. are ripe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, we're going to head into intermission, but not before we say... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves a nice full meal or and a beer egg, or some egg yolk. Ooh. <laughs> and for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop with Travisito. The Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All morning morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. 
And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And we are back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. Uh, When we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-in. And what do we have up next? Well, keeping with our food theme, we have a seminar brewing that's seminarbrewing.com. Mm-hmm. Current calamity. This is a cranberry and red currant sour. Nice. And I've been dying to try this. I'm going to pour it up for us. Have much mm. good flavor. Love the cranberry. I yeah, love the, the flavor. The flavor is there. Fantastic. It's fruity. Mm. You guys got the uh, soda stream out here, right? <laughs> All right. So with that. We are going to go ahead and go into the 2021 movie marathon. And as of this recording, it is the 50th day of the year. And I'm on number 61. Sean? I'm on 65. Chelsea? 116. Holy shit. (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) The first check-in for me, I'll start first. I mentioned this just a minute ago. It's number 56. It's called Finding Ohana from 2021 it's a cute enough family adventure film and i do respect the fact that they actually used hawaiian actors to play the hawaiian people in the movie but all of the overt goonies and indiana jones references were a little bit too much Uh, okay yeah i mean they they really knew what they were doing and they tried to be kind of self-aware about it but it just ended up seeming like uh what is the the term? Gilding the lily? 
Yes. Yeah. So that's my first check-in. Sean? I'm going to check in Babette's Feast. Okay. I have never seen this. I've heard you and Knowles both recommend it. It won the Academy Award um, for Best Foreign Feature Film from 1987. Uh, my Twitter review was, Now that's a food movie. <laughs> Funny, charming, touching. The juxtaposition of a fine French dinner in an austere Danish village in the late 1800s with its pious citizens was cinema gold. Fantastic. Over to you, Chelsea. Um, I'm going to check in Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From 2021. It's fun. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the movie I didn't know I needed. Okay. Any... Uh... It's about two friends that go to a fictitious town in Florida. And I'm not giving anything else away because it's new. I'll say again that I liked it, but I liked Breaking News in Yuba County better. The cast alone. Allison Janney leads this ensemble cast. Sorry, I'm not trying to steal your thunder. Knowles, anything you've seen recently that you'd like to mention? Well, yeah, I, I told Sean, I just recently watched the movie The Lighthouse, you know, uh, which was uh, Robert Pattinson and, uh-huh. uh, and what's his name? <laughs> just bizarre. Yeah, Very a, strange. Speaking I mean, of food movies. <laughs> ultimate, yeah, no kidding, you know. Uh, and like I think Sean says, like Ultimate Cabin Fever, just mind-bending, really strange. Uh, all right, next for me, I've got a documentary called Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. This is from 2020. Clinton can go chill with Kenny G because Carter's rolling with Bob Dylan, the Allman Brothers, Roseanne Cash, Willie Nelson, Nile Rogers, and Paul Simon. Uh, that's a rock and roll president. <laughs> Sean? All right, uh, checking in a small film called Faceless. And this was uh, shot in and set in Charleston, South Carolina. Ah. And it, it there's a bar scene that features a tin tacker. For those of you who don't know what those are, the little aluminum signs for beers and things that you see okay. posted on the wall. There's a tin tacker for Palmetto Brewing, Brewing one no of shit. the uh, craft breweries in Charleston. So they got a cameo in the film, but uh, a lot of weird, creepy elements in this film. It's about a guy who gets a face transplant. Whoa. Kind of like face off. Take his face and off. But in the midst of recovering with from the face transplant, he undergoes some therapy to help him acclimate and get used to this new face that's not his. And there is some uh, there there are identity issues that surface throughout well, it, the film. It doesn't help it. that the face that they used was Gilbert Godfrey's. No, that's <laughs> not at all. But uh, all in all, it was uh, it was the creepy factor was cool. The, the gotta keep you guessing factor was cool, but the, the resolution at the end was one of those where it was just kind of like, Oh, and then this is really what happened. Huh. And you're kind of like, God damn it. But all in all, I enjoyed it. I you enjoyed felt a little it. cheated uh, Tell at about the my win during this movie. Oh, I'll let you do it. Okay. So the guy that gets the face transplant, there's CGI going on and his face is really contorted mm-hmm. and sort of messed up on one side. You can't tell who he is. And I look at him and I'm like, that's the shoplifter from Empire Records. It's totally oh, him. Wow. It's totally him. So we look it up, and sure enough, it was him. It was a good needle in a haystack kind and of thing. And I moment. felt nice. so good about cool. myself. <laughs> That's impressive. All right. Do you have a, a different check-in you wanted to mention? I do. Um, this is from 2019. It's called Sater. Okay. S-A-T-Y-R? No. Okay. O-R. O-R. I'm sorry. Okay. Holy shit, this was fucked up. Is it a horror? Yes. Okay. It's subtle. 
and you're you're just you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop and what then year it, 2019 okay small budget small cast small um, production company i didn't sleep well that night no shit yeah oh remind me to tell you guys off mic about a dream i had the other night <laughs> where i literally woke myself up yelling in fear yikes all right, I've got one more. <laughs> Speaking of worth mentioning, boy, oh boy. This is number 58 for me. It's called Toonstone. And this is an animated Western comedy from 2015 that really, really flew under my radar because I would have been watching this a lot. Um, <laughs> just a crazy animated Western comedy I'd never heard of set in the town of Dildorado. <laughs> Characters include Wild Harry Johnson, Camel Toby, Stinky Pinky, oh God. and Crazy Ass Bill. There's also a talking slash singing horse who the voice actor is doing a spot on impersonation of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Sounds excellent. It was a lot of fun, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> Jesus. In its entirety. Wow. Toonstone? Toonstone. Toon. Yes. Is that T-U-N-E or T-O-O-N? T-O-O-N-S-T-O-N-E. Ah, gotcha. So I watched a movie from 1982. It's called The Last Unicorn. Oh, yeah, the animated movie. Oh, my God. It's great. Rankin and Bass. Yeah. How the fuck did I not know about this? Uh, Mia next Farrow? you need to watch Wizards. And then, I've seen that. And yeah. then... America does the fucking soundtrack? Yep. But, yeah, it's, but, it's, but somebody does let Mia Farrow sing. And they should movie. be fucking fired. That was terrible. <laughs> the um, interesting trivia, the, the band America did a variation on their classic song called Unicorn With No Name. <laughs> did not. Oh my God. Hey, we should, uh, we should do the, uh, the next beer, beer check-in. What do we got? We have, by one of the world's best breweries, Hill Farmstead Brewery in Vermont, uh, it is a stout brewed with coffee called Earl, E-A-R-L. Oh, that's delightful. Oh, that's lovely. Absolutely really delicious. Good. Is this a, um, the body is a proper English stout? Is that, does it say that on the can? Uh, no, it doesn't. It just says, uh, probably there's some fine print. There's a description on the back. It just says stout brewed with coffee. It's got that thin body that you associate with an English stout. I was going to say lacy. Yeah. But it's yeah. really, really well done. And the coffee is mm. spot on. All right. So while we enjoy that, we're going to get into the second part of our feature segment. The recast continued. Second course. Regurgitated. And for this one, the um, prefix menu includes Soylent Green from 1973. Spoiler alerts, it's people. <laughs> Soylent Green is people! He didn't win the lottery. Spoiler alert. So, American ecological dystopian thriller directed by Richard Fleischer. It's got a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that might be a little bit high. Uh, in a densely overpopulated and starving New York of the future, NYPD detective Robert Thorne, played by Charlton Heston, investigates the murder of an executive at Ran, excuse me, rations manufacturer Soylent Corporation. With the help of elderly academic Solomon Saul Roth, played by the late Edward G. Robinson, who this was his last performance. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> 
Uh, you'll never recast me again. <laughs> Thorne begins to make real progress until the governor mysteriously pulls the plug. Obsessed with the mystery, Thorne steps out from behind the badge and launches his own investigation into the murder. The roles, we've already mentioned Thorne, played by Charlton Heston, who was 50. We've got Cheryl, uh, played by Lee Taylor Young, who was just 28 at the time. And she's his love interest. What else? What else was her character? Oh, it's been a hot minute since I've seen this okay. movie. So ask uh, someone else. <laughs> to to gloss over some things, she is the female lead and she's too young for Charlton Heston. She's oh, one absolutely. Of the, uh, furniture girls that are was with the uh, you know, the board member who was in this rich guy who was a ah, member of the board. Okay. And uh, so she lives in his apartment along with all the other furniture girl, girls. And then finally, uh, Saul Roth, played by Edward G. Robinson, who was 80 at the time. The scene near the end with Saul, where he's in the facility and they're taking him across the Rainbow Bridge. I thought that was pretty neat. The yeah, kind absolutely. of panorama. Yeah. It was almost like IMAX before IMAX. Yeah. You know, and it was a little bit sad. And But if he had not had that relationship with Thorne, Thorne wouldn't have gone to find out where he was. And it wouldn't have led him to the Soylent Corporation and what they were actually doing. So uh, Saul was kind of the linchpin of the whole plot of the movie. All right. That being said, you got another pour for us here. What do we got? I've opened up a bottle of uh, um, Hello Oblivion. I'm going to need a minute. From I Seminar this. Brewing. <laughs> this is an Imperial Stout brewed with cacao nibs, <laughs> vanilla, cinnamon, and lactose. Um so this would be our dessert course. Absolutely, a um, mm. lot of a uh, lot of sweet notes on it, but this is uh, surprisingly good. Okay, I hate to say that about your <laughs> own brewery, our own our own domain. <laughs> it's probably but, good to have a dessert right after coffee. Yeah, this is really. Uh, I, I like. I told everyone off mic. I had this when it was in production, so it wasn't quite fully realized. But this is surprisingly good. Oh, this would be and my first taste. It's only available in bombers at the right. moment. So that would be 22 ounces. 22 ounces. And um, you can get them at the brewery. And then we've also got some out to distributors, yeah, right? And, yep. And uh, pertinent to the podcast, the label is, is a reference to Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide mm -hmm. to the Galaxy featuring the... Uh, Paranoid little, Android. Yes. Voiced by Alan Rickman. Harry Potter. That is that's my first taste, and it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's well I hate done to say it too. You know, for our own brewery, but it's boy, a, that is well, really it's a good. true dessert beer, and I don't know if we've ever tackled one quite as it's amazing complex. Mm. Well, yeah, as complex mm. as this on the dessert side. We've done mm. our share of stouts, but Yum. if wow. you had to guess, how long was this in the barrel, mm. the bourbon barrel aging process? I don't know. No. No idea? idea. No idea. We're, we're talking months, not weeks. Oh, yes. Shall we? We shall. Recast Soylent Green. The, um, the scene where he says that iconic line, I'd only seen parts of this movie leading up to this week. But in my mind, I had him like screaming it off of a rooftop or something. But I might just be thinking of Network. <laughs> I'm mad as hell and Soylent Green is people. <laughs> I always conflate that with his, uh, you maniacs, yeah. you did it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, 
of Heston's roles that kind of merged together in my mind. As prolific <laughs> as he was, and politics aside, he was pretty much kind of a one-trick pony. Indeed. All right, so Charlton Heston, 50 at the time, playing Thorne. We've got Lee Taylor Young playing Sheryl, and Edward G. Robinson playing Saul Roth. Who is your Thorne, Knowles? Uh, so my Thorn is, uh, I tried to go with somebody who was sort of tall and commanding. I thought could carry the scenes that Charlton Heston did in this movie. Uh, my recast is an actor who is 49 years old currently. So, uh, age appropriate starred in, uh, several TV series, including Dexter and house of cards and huh. the twilight saga. Uh, probably his best known movie is the hurt locker. Uh, my recast is. Christian Camargo. I'm as not Charlton Heston. With him. Actually, looks a little bit like Charles. Like Heston. a young Charlton Heston. Yeah. Yep. Like think Charlton Heston that's, in the Big Country. That's what I often do when I recast these. Who looks like Charlton Heston? Oh, that's my whole bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, over to you. Um, my actor was in Crash, Cruel Intentions, Stop Loss. I went with Ryan Philippi. Philippe. Whatever. Ryan Philippe. <laughs> Yeah, good. Yeah, he's he's yeah, cool. Thing. He's awesome. Over to you, Sean. Who's your pick for Thorn? I went with a fifty-year-old actor who's got the you know the square jaw of uh, mm-hmm. Heston. I think he's going to age into. He's kind of aged into that look. Uh, he was in uh, Training Day and uh, before Sunrise, yep. Midnight, and Sunset. I went with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke's mm, awesome, dude. That's good choice. Uh, my actor is forty-nine now. Everything I say is going to give it away. He was in Firefly, Serenity, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, The Hammer is His Penis, and Castle. I went with Nathan Fillion. Nice. Nathan Fillion. I like that. Next up, we've got Cheryl. Give Shelby her juice. (laughs) Um, Played by Lee Taylor Young, who was young. She was 28 at the time. The classic uh, 1970s and a lot more than that trope of casting a much younger woman with your upper middle-aged leading man. Yes. Uh, so, Knowles, who was your pick for Cheryl? I just want to say uh, one thing about this movie and, and leading into Cheryl. You know, she's this beautiful, gives off this hippie vibe, mm-hmm. uh, thin, long hair. She kind of reminds me of a young Joni Mitchell or Carly Simon, you know, back oh, in the day. Yeah. So anyway, I, I couldn't really come up with anybody really good for this. I just, again, I try to think of, you know, actors, actresses, I think, could sort of carry the role and look. Uh, my recast is a little bit old. She's now 40 years old, but she's been in a lot of different TV series. Uh, you will remember her if you remember the series Two and a Half Men, and she's mm-hmm. been in a few films. Uh, there's a series called Doom Patrol in which she plays the Elastic Woman. Yeah. So yes. uh, April Bowlby is my recast for Cheryl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very nice. She's very statuesque. All right, over to you, Chelsea. So I always thought Cheryl had the prettiest, like, apple cheeks mm-hmm. they're, they're so pretty and Shirlene <laughs> my actress was in the Jim Carrey a series of unfortunate events and in Sucker Punch and Sleeping Beauty I went with Emily Browning yeah uh, yeah Emily Browning's great she's also she in is. American Gods right yes she is yeah outstanding over to you Sean I went with a 29 year old actress and it's a bit of a nod also to talking about conflating Charlton Heston's roles, a nod to his role in the Omega Man with his historic mm-hmm. uh, interracial kiss. 
Uh, this actress can be Charles seen. Charles Hessen's so woke. Right. <laughs> this actress can be seen in Geostorm, uh, Atlanta. Yeah. Deadpool 2, The Joker, and Slice. I went with Zazie Bates. Zazie Beats. <laughs> Zazie Beats <laughs> is Zazie my girl. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm gonna it's gonna be hard for me to follow that. I've got an actress who is 36 now. She's in mostly TV shows. Uh, she was in the John Barenthal version of The Punisher. She's in Escape Room. I think that's a movie. She was in Daredevil, the newest iteration of that. And True Blood. Her name is Deborah Ann Wall. Deborah Ann Wall is going to be my Shirlene. Oh, I like her in True Blood. Yeah, she was awesome in that. And I very good. She's yeah. I wish she was in more movies. Yeah. Uh, I think that she's got a, a really cool presence and uh, hopefully she'll make that step if she wants to. Next up, we've got the final role we're recasting, and it's appropriate that he's last on the list because this was his last performance. He died the year after this movie came out. Um, his name was Chief Wiggum, and he was, <laughs> he was 80 years old at the time. Edward G. Robinson played Saul Roth. And uh, Knowles, who is your actor for this? Guys, guys, I am really proud of my recast for okay. this. You know, I, you know... How do you recast Edward G. Robinson? I mean, it's impossible, right? So let's just uh, let's let's go off the rails here a little bit and think outside the box. Yes. So I'm thinking, you know, um, got to get somebody who looks a little bit like Robinson, overweight, kind of a fat, older guy. Somebody who could, uh, you know, you can imagine him playing a food aficionado, uh, also being a lover of arcane knowledge kind of thing. It's a stretch, I'm telling you. Uh, so my recast has starred in lots of TV series, including ER, The Ghost Whisperer. He's made some, you know, brief appearances in movies like Get Smart, The Artist, Once Upon a Time in Venice. But uh, he's best known for what I think is the greatest fight scene in movie history. And that was as a co-star in the movie Borat. Yes. Ken... Davidian is going to be. Oh boy! Oh boy! Dude, you nailed it. We can all go home. This watch is like chop retrofit. Can you imagine? Just love imagine. It. It's perfect, it. dude. It's I love perfect. It. That's good. That's really good. Oh, Chelsea, follow that. Uh, right. Um, my actor has also been in a ton of movies and a ton of TV. Okay. Um really no point in listing them i went with uh mr i have spoken himself mm -hmm. nick nolte ah, good job yes, yes, i told good, you i watched good. that weird documentary right <laughs> nick mm -hmm. nolte no exit where he interviews himself that was some meta ass shit and it was from like 2004 maybe uh, yeah it's a little it's, bit it's older. a little bit older i think it holds up completely i loved it that was a great recommendation and a good pick over to you, Sean. I went with an 80-year-old actor who has been in films such as Warrior, Affliction, The Prince of Tides, and 48 oh, Hours. Oh, yay. <laughs> I also went with Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> we love it when dunk, this happens. Dunk, dunk. How many times used, does that happen? Oh, it's way? happened a lot. A lot. Over the past three years, maybe like 40 times. But when it when it, we first started out, we would get pissed off pissed about off, it. But, <laughs> but listen, Dan, there was only mine. one magical moment when we had the trifecta. Yes. Oh, yeah. All, all three, three of the same. Yeah. All three crazy. had the same. Oh, wow. 
it, and it was um, Garden for State. The Zach Braff role. Yes. We all picked the kid from Skins. Uh, Skins. Jeremy Shameless. from Shameless. Yes, Jeremy Allen White. <laughs> yeah. All right. So over to you, Sean. You that was give, it. Okay, Nick you gave me yours. My pick. Um, he's eighty now. He is a Swedish American actor. Uh, he was in the Walking Tall franchise. He was in the original The Inglorious Bastards. He was also in Inglorious Bastards and The Great Waldo Pepper. His name is Bo Svensson. Bo Svensson is going to be oh, nice. my... Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's not a whole lot more to say. <laughs> he's, he's 80. He's still acting. It works. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm... I'm really not going to give this a recommend. I had higher expectations for it. Yeah, it's popcorn cinema. It's yeah. really just... If, if you want something in this vein, watch Logan's Run instead. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea? Same. Same. Knowles? I, the only reason I would recommend it is it's got, you know, this amazing opening montage of environmental destruction, you know, just a few yeah. years after uh, the first Earth Day... Uh, by the way, they predict that in 2022, New York City is going to have 40 million people in it. It actually has 8.6 million. But, oh. you know, a lot of the environmental degradation that they talked about in that film has continued. So, But as a movie itself, it's kind of eh, meh. Agreed. All right. So uh, are you guys ready for the bonus segment? Yes. All right. This is where I'm going to ask you to choose between a cultural cuisine Imagine that you can only have this kind of food from now on. Which do you pick? Mexican food, Japanese food, Indian food, or Italian food? Sean, you're first. Oh, really? Um, well, let's see. If, if Does Japanese... Yes, Japanese includes sushi. Yes, it does. Italian, I'm not going to... I'm going to pass on Italian. Uh, Mexican is too salty, but I like Tacos. it. Yeah, I like it, but it's too salty, ultimately not good for me. Indian, I love Indian, but I'm going to go with Japanese food. Japanese food. Chelsea? <clears throat> um, I'm going to go off script. Okay. And I'm going to go from the country where I had the best food I've ever eaten in my entire life. Canadian half, cuisine? No. Half the time, I didn't even know what the hell it was, but it was so good. And that's Greek food. Greek uh, food. That almost. almost made the list. Very good. Knowles? Hands down, no question about it, Indian food. Indian I've food. often said I could eat Indian food for the rest of my life. I Very love it, good. every aspect of it. And I'm on the same page with Sean over here. Sushi is the current champion of my favorite foods list. Uh, even though it's not the best time in history to be eating handmade <laughs> food, <laughs> um, it's still like one of my favorite things. And not too difficult to learn to make at home yourself. With that, we want to wrap it up. Knowles, thank you for being here, dude. That's great to be back. Thanks for having me. In fact, uh, thanks for letting me pressure you to make this episode. No, that was no before. sweat at all. It, it's, <laughs> this, is, this is not a life and death situation. <laughs> um, do you anything you want to plug? Yes, I would like to plug, this is a food episode, an organization that I love in uh, Tucson, Arizona. It's called Native Seeds Search that... They try to uh, keep, uh, you know, traditional seeds that have been raised for, you know, centuries in the oh, desert. Wow. And they 
provide beans and like desert adapted seeds to Native American communities, community food banks yeah. and so forth. So it's a wonderful organization, Native Seeds Search. I want to thank my co-host and co-producer, the engineer, the brew boss, Sean. Anything you want to plug this week, sir? Uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for an upcoming release from Seminar Brewing. Ooh. Coming down the pipeline in March, I believe it is uh, the canning of Pulpy Love, mm. our uh, Berliner Weiss. Oh, hell yeah. With uh, strawberry and raspberry. Heck okay, that yeah. was a good iteration of Pulpy That was the Love. first one, and yeah. we're canning that bitch. Can't wait well, for that. Absolutely. Chelsea, any plugs for you? Thank you for being here. And putting up with my bullshit. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to plug? Trivia. Trivia. We will have it this week. We didn't have it last week because we were on COVID watch. Are we going to double up on uh, sneak preview answers? No, I think we'll probably just skip to this one. Okay. Oh, just for the listeners, I did not go party in North Carolina by myself on Valentine's weekend while my <laughs> wife was home with COVID. <laughs> I know. It's, it had to be a nice guy. It's so off brand. <laughs> also... Uh, do you know what next week's episode is? The Tale of Two Corys. The Tale of Two Corys. Corey Feldman and Corey Haim in the 80s and a little bit beyond made like nine movies together. And so we're going to be going down that rabbit hole. I do have a question and answer, sneak preview question and answer for this week's trivia. And it's dealing with the first movie they ever starred in together. And that would be The Lost Boys. So... What is the title of the comic book that Sam, played by Corey Haim, reads at Atlantis Fantasy World in The Lost Boys? Hint, the comic was made specifically for this film. Yeah, it's like something like They Rise at Night or Vampires by Night or something, You're right? close. Yeah. Close. I, I, no, I'm not going to get it. Chelsea, any thoughts? I don't know. Knowles? And the answer nope. is Vampires Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a fictional fictional comic book. I, I guess they all are. It's this is not a real title. In, it's a prop in the, for yes, the movie. <laughs> but the owner of the actual comic book shop where that scene took place got to keep that comic oh, book, cool. and he lets people come in and hold it and get a selfie. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. Uh, it would be great if you went to um, Apple Podcasts and gave us a review. On there, that would be amazing. We're also hosted natively online on podbean.com. We are Cinema Chop Shop on there. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter and Facebook and Gmail and Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D, where we check in all of the beers that we uh, that we checked in, that we tried today. And also, breaking news, Cinema Chop Shop now has its own YouTube channel where we're going to be putting up some uh, episodes and some... Uh, other content that you should look forward to. So if you want to go to YouTube and search for Cinema Chop Shop Podcast and give us a subscription on there. I freaked out when I went to it because I was already subscribed. <laughs> and I was like, what kind of shit is this? Also, uh, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to wear a mask and social distance. And please remember to watch, watch Chop, Chop Retrofit. Retrofit and eat your heart out.